Hello and welcome to Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking and I'll be honest with you guys, I don't, you might be hearing the background music right now. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know if you can tell the difference in sound quality, but today uh, I am recording straight into an iPhone. And when I say I don't know whether you can tell a difference, I truly hope you do. Uh, because I, I, I have a full road podcasting setup with a specialist podcasting microphone, proper audio cables, cost me about $1,000. And if I'm to find out, it sounds the exact same as my iPhone resting on a fucking book. I'm going to be furious. This is, this is, this is so typical of the way that I approach creativity, which is like, surely if I throw money at the situation, quality will improve. I bought two $350 studio lights with which to film sketches. And you know what I've discovered is actually an even better light for the purposes of of making internet videos is, uh, is the sun. The sun, as it turns out, an excellent source of artistic light. Uh, Can't speak highly enough for it. But look, you know, all those late night shoots I'm not doing. It's so handy to have a portable light source just in case. So I hope it, I hope it comes clear. Look, I'm also, I'm a little, I'm a little bit dusty. I woke up this morning and uh, it's very, very bright and it's very hot. Oh, I'm coming from London. Did I tell you that? I'm in London. I'm I'm in London, and you would be in your you'd be right to think when I said it's very hot to be like well well you must be what I don't know Spain somewhere in America the desert no 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 merry old England it is it is hot as shit over here uh so the the the, the audio quality might be in fact the the quality of my voice is actually. Highly compromised at the minute. I woke up. Was, you know when you wake up and you look at the clock, and you're like, that's not enough. That's that's not enough time. Because I thought I just woke up feeling unwell because I deserve it. Because I'm just living on pints and uh, 3 a.m. McDonald's trips while I'm on the other side of the world exploring a new culture, as you might, uh, you know. McDonald's over here offers a range of spicy wraps that you actually can't get in Australia. And uh, it really does say a lot about the British condition. Once you start to try a few of those, you can really taste the colonialism in those wraps. So I've, I've, been, living, I've been living the local life, living as the Londoners do. And, uh, oh boy, am I sore just all over. Just so you could be hearing that in my throat. I'm, I'm just, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit hoarse, as they say. Uh, but uh, it's been. Uh, I gotta say, London is. I already like London. London is such a great. I lived in London when I was little, from the age of like four till nine. I lived in London, so I've always liked it. I love coming here. Um, just I've never done stand up here. I don't think I've even. I've never seen stand up in London. I've seen stand-up shows in the UK. I saw Jimmy Carr in Newcastle in 2015, just because I happened to be there when he was on. 
I saw the Edinburgh Fringe, to which I am heading on Monday, when I was 18, because again, I just happened to be in Edinburgh at the time, but no, I've, I've never, I've never seen stand but heard amazing things about the stand-up scene here, and I come over, and it's, it's just the best. It's so good. Every comedy club that I've been to in my four days here operates seven nights a week. There is nowhere in, I don't think in Australia that has comedy seven nights a week. At most three. And the rest of the time, you know what they are? Pubs. They're just, they're fun. They they would, the places where they have comedy in Australia, they would just as soon have life drawing. That's the level of commitment we have to the art that I've chosen to dedicate my life to. And yet here, seven nights a week, at my local tube station, on the wall, like on the wall of the tube station as you're leaving the underground, is a, is a sign with a direction and a distance to the comedy club. Isn't, is, that, is that insane to anyone else? That's how badly people want to find comedy clubs here. In Australia, if, if you can't find the comedy club you're due to go to, you just don't go. You just say, well, I guess that ticket's going to waste. So let's just go drink somewhere else. So it's, uh, it's been such a thrill. Every night, I've been, granted, I've, I've booked a couple of really, really great gigs. I did one. So the places I've been at, for anyone, any of you uh, international listeners or anyone who might be heading over to the UK and wants to see some comedy, uh, I did uh, Angel Comedy at the Bill Murray. I did uh, the Comedy Carnival at Leicester Square. And I did uh, Backyard Comedy Club in Bethlehem Green, which is where I'm staying. All phenomenal. If you're looking for good comedy while you're here, go see them. Um, and I've just, it's been so good. It's like everything, it's gone so great. I did this, um, Backyard Comedy Club is, uh, I did that on Friday night. And, uh, it was after work, obviously, all these people coming after work. He's like, in Australia, comedy is like a big date night thing. In here, it's just a thing people do. A lot of people are like, just after work drinks, catching up with mates, whatever. Um... But there was one pretty great moment, which is, uh, and this is what I'll, this is what I'll do. This, you know, f- for you, for my lo- for my loyal listeners, I don't do this often, but I thought, I know a lot of people are kind of interested to hear about, like you know, how the shows are going over here and 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 how how uh, London comedy is treating me. So here's what I'm going to do for you uh, at the end of today's episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna put in an audio recording of one of my stand up sets from this uh, last little run of show. So I'm gonna put up. I'm going to put up the recording of uh, my time at Backyard Comedy Club. Um, a lot of these jokes aren't like, they don't exist on the internet yet for me. Like these, this is stuff that's going to come out soon. But uh, look, I thought some people might be interested. And look, I'm going to be t- totally transparent with you guys. I, I would also really like to fill the time because I sat down to record this and think, I don't know if I can talk for half an hour. That seems like a, a stretch. It seems like a big ask of me right now. But you know, in saying that, I got I got talking points in front of me, and we haven't even scratched the surface. And but I will t- so I'm going to put the recording of the uh, backyard comedy club. But one piece of context you'll need for that: there are going to be some things that you hear that don't really make any sense because it's context of things that happened in the room and things other actors said. So the first sixty seconds might not make sense. But part of that is uh, there was an Australian girl there who was in the crowd and so drunk, just. Off her face, like, you know, 
simultaneously diminishing any respect the international community has for Australians while also reinforcing everything they've heard. Just like, just drunk and dumb and entitled. And the MC tried to chat to her and he had, he kind of ripped her a little bit and she got really defensive. And, and I didn't really catch, a, I can't really remember what she did, but the crowd just turned on her so quickly. And so in my, in my set, um, I opened by saying, well, at least uh, if things don't go well, I'll only be the second most hated Australian in this room. Crowd loved it. I am the first to admit, that's not necessarily that funny. But the cra- there's this thing that happens in comedy where if you, if you attack an audience member or like an audience you know, a group in the audience or something who have been causing issues, you know, like they're the little, what happens in comedy is like parts of the audience kind of become part of the show, right? And if their part of the show is that they're being a bit of a nuisance and you have a go at them, it can go one or two ways because there's the chance that the crowd goes, that seems a bit harsh. I don't think you needed to do that. You should probably just leave them alone. Um, but sometimes you have a go at somebody and you can just feel the whole crowd go yeah fuck them the whole crowd just gets so on board they're just like yeah we hate that person that person's the worst great for you taking them down a peg and that's what this was and i gotta be honest for this woman who i think really her biggest crime was just being too drunk and a little obnoxious the level of vitriol that i realized the crowd felt for her in the response to my making fun of her but I looked at her and she was just totally blank. Like she just had no concept of what she possibly could have done to have to possibly deserve this level of us and them that the other 129 people in that crowd felt. It was, you know, on the one hand, quite sad. But on the other hand, I crushed. So who cares? No, I, I, did, I, I, did, I did okay. I did pretty good. I was pretty happy. So you'll hear it. You'll hear it. Stick around to the end of the episode. I'm going to put it in. It's about 10 minutes. A 10 minute set. I don't want to listen to it first. Listening back to my sets is so... I hate it. It's so uncomfortable. It's not even like the listening to your own voice sort of thing. It's just like, I don't know. I just I can't, I can't do it. And you're meant to do it. All stand-up comedians say, like, if you want to improve, listen back to your sets. Like, yeah, Maybe. I do a lot of other stuff, you know, you can't do it all. Anyway, uh, I've been having a great time in England. It's been, I guess it's been so hot here. It's been like 30 degrees every day for the last week. Sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. It's very un-British. It's very odd. And, uh, I, I went to the cricket on one of the days. I went to the Oval. I'm a big cricket fan. So it was cool to, to go to this very historic English venue and uh, just very quickly, by the way, I haven't listened back to the audio on this at all. I really hope this sounds okay, because I'm feeling good. I'm pretty happy with this so far. I will be willing to concede that I might have wasted $1,200 on podcast equipment for this to be a half-decent episode. Or just not one that I'm going to listen back to in 20 minutes' time when I'm done recording and go, no one can listen to this shit. This is awful. Anyway, look, hey, if... Even if I felt, I think this is going out. I get the vibe this is going out regardless because it's, 
It's Sunday. I gotta put something out by Tuesday. I'm not skipping any more episodes. I'm not doing that to you guys. My last, uh, the last time I did that, I wasn't very happy with that. Anyway, anyway, went to the cricket, and uh, I'm sitting in the sun. There is no shade whatsoever. I have minimal sunscreen on, and it is just 30 degrees, sun in my face, middle of the day. Game started at game started at two, finished at five. And I'm sitting there going, I am going to get so sunburned. That's so embarrassing. If I get sunburned in London, they're not going to let me come home. But uh, no, you you know what? I, I sat in the sun all afternoon. Uh, next day, not a, not a, not a mark. Not, not, the, not the faintest indication I was ever in the sun whatsoever. You, you, you can't buy skin cancer in this country. You couldn't, you couldn't purchase a melanoma. It's just not here. Anybody who gets skin cancer in London, I don't know what to tell you. Honestly, you think about it, like it definitely exists here. A lot of people get skin cancer in the UK. And then I was like, but then also a lot of people in the UK, uh, a lot of people, like hundreds of thousands, um, passed away because of COVID. And it makes me think, you know, who knows, maybe they are just a, a weaker people. I don't know. I don't I'm just asking questions. I'm just, I just think maybe they're just, a, you know, if it, if, if it weren't COVID that undid them, it could have been, you know, a faint breeze or, uh, you know, just a particularly, uh, a particularly heavy flu. That is, I mean, that is what COVID is, isn't it? They had a heat wave here, killed like thousands of people. And like, well, it's not, we're not, we're not built for this. It's like, you're telling me you're not built for this. You guys aren't built for adversity whatsoever. It's, uh, it, it's one of, uh, to be fair, that's a quality of mine as well. I have, uh, I am not, I am not prepared. I'm not prepared for anything remotely, the, the, just the least bit challenging to, to take up in my life. So the, uh, I went to the cricket, the cricket was good. The cricket, they did this thing where they had the men's cricket at 2 p.m. on a Thursday. And quite a lot of people were there. I don't know if like people took the day off work or if they were tourists or what, but it was a big, big crowd. Uh, and then at 7 p.m., no, 6 p.m., after the men's game, they had the same teams, but in the women's league, play together. Um, now, I uh, couldn't stick around for that game because I had to go and get my gig uh, we get to my, my gig cause I, I had to come home and get chained to get out to the gig before that started at eight. And, um, it, it, I guess everyone else in the stadium, uh, was in the exact same position. It must've been, you know, it must've been a, all the other 20,000 people at, at that men's cricket game. They must also have had gigs to get to that night because fuck everybody left. Every, this, it was such a questionable decision from the outset leading with the men's game. It's kind of like, you know, I hear that when uh, uh, when the violent femmes play festivals, they play Blister in the Sun early so they can get rid of all the fair weather fans who don't know their other stuff and then just keep the hardcore ones. It's kind of like that what they're doing. It's like, look, uh, if you're only into men's cricket, aka 98% of the sporting population, we're going to play that first. You can, you can enjoy that, all right? You can enjoy it. And if you're not here, if you're not a purist, 
who loves cricket regardless of who's playing it or how objectively good they are at it. You get out. <laughs> I, once, I once saw Matt Corby at a music festival play the song Brother Second Last. Big mistake. Big mistake. Because it was he didn't even get to the last chorus before people started leaving. And, uh, and he, had another, he had another song afterwards. And I think, I think he might have said, this is my second last song. And that didn't prevent anybody. It was, it was so rude, but also very funny. I did like it. Oh, you guys know I'm just joking around with women's sport. If you're a, if you're a real fan of, of, uh, of the podcast, you know I'm just joking around about women's sport. And if you're a real friend of mine, you'll also know that I'm, I'm not. I was watching uh, over here. I, I managed to watch the Sydney Roosters game. Go Roosters. Uh, on my laptop. And uh, they, during the game, announced that uh, there would be a, an NRL women's game at the new Sydney football stadium. Freshly built. It's going to be the first ever game at the new Sydney football stadium. And as they announced that, they panned to uh, a, a group of the Sydney Roosters NRLW team, the women's Sydney Roosters team. And uh, those girls saw themselves on uh, the big screen at the football stadium. And the level of excitement on these young women's faces to be on the big screen. <laughs> these professional athletes. The excitement they demonstrated to be on the telly was so funny. It's like, guys, isn't... I? Aren't you on that a lot? Isn't don't don't you work in in a highly public? No, 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 no. They're like, look, at at best, at best, they might make an Instagram reel out of one of our games, but that's kind of it. So to be on to be on Fox Sports, that's the big that's the big leagues for us. Uh what else? I've had a I've had a very cultural time here. I'm seeing a play today. I uh, I went to the Tate Museum and proved once again that modern art uh, can be done by fucking anybody. Serious, it's that I get it that you know Jackson Pollock could have painted a photorealistic landscape if he felt like it, but you know what? He he fucking didn't, did he? He he flung a bit of paint on a canvas and wasted all of our time. And actually, you know, it's not even he. I know Jackson Pollock is just like sort of the poster child for when you want to attack modern art. My word, some of this shit. I don't know what it is about hanging a watering can from a ceiling that makes me feel something. But uh, I don't know, maybe I wasn't quite sophisticated enough to catch that. You know what's real art? Making an Australian girl at a comedy club feel bad about herself because she had a few too many daiquiris. That's art, okay? You, are, you, are you listening, modern artists? Are you listening, English woman who strung fishing wire across a ceiling and hung army men off the side of it? No, 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 N not art. You want to make art? Sit, sit in an Airbnb living room and turn your phone on and prattle on about women's athletics for a while. That's art, okay? And speaking of art, the true art that I witnessed yesterday. Oh boy, so again, as, you, as, as, as has come across in, in this podcast, I, uh, I love watching sport. I love attending sport. One of my favorite things to do when I'm on holidays is to go to a local sporting match, you know, and, and do the whole experience that before beginning and after of like, what do you do before the game? Make your way to the stadium, find your seats at the halftime, do a thing, whatever. 
What afterwards? How do they celebrate a victory? How do they commiserate a defeat? And uh, so I wanted to go see a football game, which I've done before. I've seen football games, as in soccer, in uh, in London. And uh, I um I I initially wanted to go and get to a Premier League game, but it just looked like it probably would have been too expensive or too hard to get tickets or whatever. And my friend said, "Well, okay, well we got a local Championship team. For those unaware, Championship in 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 English football is actually the second division. So it's like um, not quite." The top, top tier, but it's the second tier. Still well-paid professionals. Still a very, very, uh, you know, tough, high-quality league. Uh, and he said, we got a local team near us uh, that are meant to be pretty good. And uh, we, we, should, we should go to their game. Yeah, okay, that, sound, that sounds great. I'd love to see that. I mean, you know, I'm sure they're just... I mean, these guys are every bit as passionate as every uh, Premier League team. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Uh, and I'm not going to say the name of the team for reasons that will soon become obvious. But my friend was sending me screenshots of, like, the, uh, the, the supporter experiences at some of these games. Especially if you're a away supporter going to this ground. And uh, the, it's... I soon find out this football team and my mate is, is his local team uh, has a real reputation for how's the term stabbing people. Is that is that the fr- it's there, like there was a guide on where not to go if you're an away supporter to avoid getting the shit kicked out of you by these local supporters, and I'm like. Yes, that was a thing once. I think it's been blown out of proportion. I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's going to be a big deal. And then I start hearing that this is a team that's like actively doesn't take a knee during Black Lives Matter protests. Like, I don't know if you watch sport now, everyone takes a knee. Everybody does it. It's lost all meaning. But even these guys, in a time where it's lost all meaning, like, no, 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 it means something to us and it's not something we want to say. So I'm like, okay. We'll go see what's what's the gaff. What's 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 it gonna be like? I find out my friend has booked us tickets in the members section, uh, and we are in the members section of the local football club. And then just directly across from us, in the next uh, bay, at a perpendicular kind of angle. So we're in one corner, and in the other corner is the away fans section, uh, equally boisterous, uh, equally well attended in that, of that stand, at least. Uh, the game starts. Uh, I, I then proceed to see uh, 45 minutes of grown men in football jerseys uh, make the wanker symbol and the rude finger at one another and uh, just kind of yell back and forth, calling out certain individuals for being fat cunts uh, who, who's the fat cunt? Who's the fat cunt? Who's the fat cunt in the white? Who's the fat cunt in the white? That was one of the great songs. One of the many great songs. Um, Shove Your Flag Up Your Ass was another one of the really, really... Very musical. It was a very, you know... I've, I've, no need to go to the West End. I've already had my fill of melody for one weekend. Uh, you know, um, uh, Your Fucking Shit... Your fucking shit. 
you're and uh, look. Here's the other thing: it was it was a in hindsight a phenomenal game, like a really really great game. But the home team was down two nil. The home team was down two nil in quite short order, and boy were they upset about it. Including a guy in front of me who I can only describe as a methed out Robert Pattinson, who was so like just couldn't keep his t shirt on for more than 90 seconds at a time before getting agitated and ripping it off. Every time, like, one of the away fans, or, or this group of away fans would, would like, rub in the fact that they were winning, this guy took it personally. Like, he ran to the barricade to get as close to them as possible and give them the wanker sign. I don't know whether... It's not very... I don't think it's a thing in Australia, but the wanker sign where you kind of, like, you extend your arm out and you your, your palm is up and your fingers are curled and you just... Shake your wrist to say, "Hey, you, you, you're a, you're a, you're a wanker," um, and uh, it's, uh, it's as you can imagine, it's quite a it's quite a rude gesture. It's quite a rude thing to do, as as is uh, sticking up just your middle finger. And these are grown men fucking doing this. This is the, the, like I'm sitting next to on either side of me, like forty five year old men with their children. There are kids here who are like eight years old actively calling the referee a cunt. When the referee, might I say, was doing a very standard job. The, the, the level of vitriol relative to the littlest thing the referee had to do to piss people off was just something I'd never experienced before. And okay, this is why I have it to the name of the club, because they do frighten me a significant deal. This was proper Green Street hooligans bullshit. And I'm sitting there thinking, these people are fucking scum. Like, just the scummiest individuals. You know, like, skinheads, the racist thing kicks in. I'm watching, like, grown men teach their children how to abuse referees. Just like, I've never heard the... I've never heard the word cunt thrown. I don't think I've said the word cunt on this podcast before. And I've had to say it like a dozen times just to communicate to you what this fucking football game was like. And then it's half time. So I go to take a, I go to, I go to do a wee. This is, I, I regress. I become more of a child as I'm surrounded by these men. Uh, and, 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 and I, I go to, I go to do a wee and I walk into the bathroom and in it, there is no shoulder to shoulder, literally a dozen people chain smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. Like it is a it is a cloudy haze of cigarette smoke, including a bunch of like fifteen year old chavs with bum bags and ear piercings. A lot of yeah, a lot of like a lot of children with ear piercings was definitely a thing. I reckon a lot of like a lot of tattoos obtained with a fake ID. That kind of vibe. And I could barely, like, make my way to the urinal through the haze of smoke. And I just had this moment where I realized, if I, if I yelled out right now at the top of my lungs, fuck X football team. Fuck that football team. If I said that out loud, I, th- I, th- I think, and I, I'm not just saying this for comedic effect. I'm not being hyperbolic. I think I'd get beaten to death. At the very least, serious life-changing injuries. 
If I yelled out at the top of my lungs in a bathroom, fuck your team, these men would have felt within their rights to crack my skull open. 100%. You know, it was just, just, it was all men too. Of course it was. You wouldn't want to take a woman to this at all. And just like hordes of men, I don't know like if all of their fathers were referees. I can only assume, I mean, to be fair, I get the vibe that like a lot of these men, if their fathers were referees, they wouldn't know because they're probably doing it in a different town under a different name these days. Truly the scum of the earth. This isn't a, I hope this doesn't come across as an elitist thing. You wouldn't believe what fuckwits these people were, but... But, 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 by the second half, something started to stir in me. And I looked at that away fans and I looked at the people around me and I thought, you know what? Looking at the away fans, I was like, you know who the real scum are? Fucking those guys. You know who the real scum are? The 11 people on the field wearing sky blue jerseys. I, I hate them so much. I, I, it had, I don't know what happened, but something had been born in me. And, and, and all of a sudden I didn't, I looked around me, I didn't see scum. I didn't see men with complex relationships with their fathers that they were then forcing on their children. I saw my brothers, my brothers in arms against those horrific fuckwits who had traveled down the M2 motorway to come to our stadium, to come to our stadium and rub it in my face. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting angry just thinking about it. Those, oh, those away fans. Oh my God. I wish I could say the team names. I really wish I could. It would be funnier if I was saying the team names right now, but I really, I truly do fear. I want to move to London. And if I become big enough one day that someone feels the need to scour through my podcast and look for ammo, I really think if I was saying team names right now, there's a fair to high chance that I would get stabbed. I would get full Salman Rushdie'd only over a, <laughs> it's, it just, it, it's, what, oh, this is, this is where, this is not good as a comedian when you just, the word, if I had the word fatwa, I would have a full football fatwa, there we go, put upon my head by uh, the local working class. And, and, you know, they, believe me, they would have no problem appropriating Muslim culture. I don't think that's something that they're particularly sensitive to. Um, you know, so much so, I'm not even going to tell you how the game ended. Uh, because then maybe people could work backwards, work out what time I was in London, what game I was at, and work to see, you know, who who I might have been talking about. Who in the championship was down 2-0, and then who knows what happened. Um, but hey, uh, I, oh man. It was, there's no way that there weren't at least a dozen people from either side just scouring the streets looking for one another just looking to just looking to really take out life on 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 somebody else because they have a different color jersey just i've never seen anything like it i've been to so many ufc events and 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 a ufc event is like high t in comparison it's classy it has it has some uh has it has a little bit of high society about it compared to these fucking animals. Anyway, love, love London. Love the people. Been having a fantastic time. I don't know how much time there is left. I don't, I, I, in the podcast, not in life. I mean, I don't know about that either, 
But, uh, I th- you know, I think I'm done. I think this is pretty good. I've had a good time. I was, I was, I was worried about this one. You know, something about not having a proper microphone or headphones or anything. I was like, this is going to feel fucking weird. But, uh, no, it's been good. This is absurd. I'm only able to do this because my Airbnb person left. I'm, 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 I'm not renting a whole place. I'm renting a room from somebody and she went away for the weekend, left me the place to herself. So, oh, so yeah. So I would, I would say if, um, it's been amazing, right? Cause I was meant to just have a room and now I have an entire apartment. She's left me totally alone. Uh, and, uh, look, so if anyone's coming to London and, uh, you're looking for, a, you know, a potential apartment to, uh, to scope out and rob, let me know. Because we could, I could uh, tee something up so easily. Go copy some keys, draw out some plans. I'm going to leave a very detailed Airbnb review to be like, oh, wow. Gail was just so, so phenomenal. She was so trusting with me. In fact, she uh, routinely leaves the place to go and visit her boyfriend overseas and left me in control of the whole house, you know, I mean, and what a house it was, you know, between the uh, 42-inch Sony LCD plasma in the living room, uh, the MacBook Pro that she keeps in a drawer under her desk, uh, the, uh, the, the, the proliferation of, of, of rare art hanging from the walls and all in a location easily accessible by van and quick to get away from. The local police station, uh, a, a little bit further away than you'd like, uh, but their response times... Somewhere between six to eight minutes. If you'd like to hear more, please get in touch. Oh. But yes, I mean, otherwise, I just, I, this, this, this is, I don't know if this comes across to you guys, especially now. And I, 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 I'm telling you the truth. My audio setup today is a phone resting on a book. And uh, there is something about just sitting down and talking into your phone and thinking that the world needs to hear it. It's very, it's very odd. I, I couldn't, if someone walked in right now, I'd just slap the phone against the wall and, and, and hope she doesn't bring up what it is that I've been doing. I also, you know what I haven't done? Is I haven't, I haven't, my phone has had the screen blacked out. You know how it's just, it's on standby. So I'm presuming it's still recording. I have no idea. There's a good chance no one will ever hear these words which is possibly how they should stay. But, all right, we're going to do this live. I'm going to, I'm going to turn my phone on and we're going to see. Is, and you'll, you already know. You know this is a podcast, but you'll be able to hear my general reaction. I, re- I really hope it's recording. I can't do this again. I'm, I'm too hungover. It's fine the first time, but the second time, it's going to... It's uh, Okay, here we go. Three, two... Yes! We're recording 35 minutes. Oh, I hope the audio is not terrible because that's, that's pretty good. 35 minutes. All right. Hey, even longer though, because stick around. Guess what's coming up next? My set live from Backyard Comedy Club, London. You know, what month are we? August? July? August? August. July. I don't know. I'm, it's too hard to check. Uh, 2021, 2022. Jesus. Uh, Check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, hey. Also, gigs. I'm doing gigs. Brisbane, Wollongong, Newcastle. I think I've announced them by now on the internet. Please come. 
If you're in any of those places, I, I desperately... If you're in any of those places and you're still listening to this and you're not willing to spend 20 bucks to come and see me do stand, like the actual thing that I do... I, I mean, look, I appreciate the support, but fuck, you got to go back and, and, and reconsider some things because I don't, I, don't I don't understand. But hey, 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 not the point. Come along. It'll be great. Uh, until next time, you guys, uh, I'm, I'm Tom Whitcomb uh, and I've been talking, so show some respect. Okay, bye. Good evening, everybody. How are we? We're well? Excellent. I've flown all the way from Australia to do gigs over here, and it's so exciting for me, I've got to say, like, I've really, for so long, it's been a dream of mine to come to London and perform here at Backyard Comedy Club. <laughs> Such a thrill. And the other thing that's great is, no matter how badly this goes, I will still only be the second most hated Australian in this room. Thank you for <laughs> white women. Uh, he's right, that's fun. I like that. That's great. My partner and I just moved in together recently. It's so great. I love with my girlfriend. It's so nice having a, a woman's touch in the house. Everything's so clean. Clean towels, clean sheets, clean browsing history. Because you know, porn's a very private thing, right? Porn's the most private kind of media there is. It's the only kind of media you can't recommend anybody. You know? Think about it, you read a great book, think your friend will like it, tell them. They'll appreciate it. You can't watch an interracial gangbang and think to yourself, oh, you know who would love this? Dad. <laughs> Kevin, I can't tell you how important it was to me you laughed at that joke. <laughs> that is... I don't know what you guys are into. My thing for a while was I really used to like uh, milf porn. Um, until I discovered, this is true, a lot of the women in those films aren't actually mothers. <laughs> That's that just unacceptable, you know. These young women taking jobs away <laughs> from hard-working mums like yours and mine. Not, it's not good enough. That's why I think there needs to be some kind of policy, you know. Like that every mill video should start with just a few pictures of her kids. <laughs> I don't like it either, alright, but my partner and I have been together for five years now, we're at that stage of a relationship where I can tell she's just constantly waiting for a proposal in every romantic situation we find ourselves in. And from my perspective, that has ruined a lot of sunsets, you know. <laughs>
And I would propose to my partner tomorrow, if not for the exorbitant cost of an engagement ring, made worse by the fact my partner's told me she doesn't want a zirconia, she doesn't want a lab diamond, she wants a real diamond. And I'll tell you, it is not just the Congo where that's causing conflict. <laughs> This trick goes for another 90 seconds. <laughs> I've tried to explain to my partner the diamond trade is notorious for unethical practices, child labour, and she told me there's these things you can get, they're called karma-free diamonds. And what that is, is you're guaranteed the rock was found by an adult earning a full-time wage, and in return you pay like a 30% premium. And when she said this to me, I said, hey, forget I brought it up, Let's put some kids to work. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, who cares? That rock's done by a 13-year-old or a 30-year-old. Just tell your friends you got it from a minor. And... <laughs> Just get all these in your own time. That's not a problem. I think we put far too much emphasis on the diamond in modern society. Like, it's such a big thing, the cut, the clarity, the quality. I don't think it's a big deal. I think giving a woman a diamond is like giving her an orgasm, you know? Ah. It can be fake. <laughs> Why would I care? You know? They're all real to me. <laughs> uh, excuse me for believing women, okay, I guess. In fact, in many ways, I think a fake orgasm is far more meaningful than a real one. Think about a real orgasm, a woman would do that for anybody. A real orgasm, that's for her. A fake orgasm, that's for men. That's why sometimes when my partner and I make love, I'll put in a truly, you know, subpar effort. Just to check, does she still care? My partner tells me she wants her first child before she turns 35. She's 29 now. Seems like a long time, but really, that's only six years for her to meet somebody. <laughs> I want to have a child eventually. I'm not quite ready yet. I've frozen my sperm to be safe. Just thought best to do it while I'm young and there's room in the fridge. <laughs> Don't worry, it's at the back. But behind the egg whites, not a problem. So. Yeah, and look, if we had a child tomorrow, we'd make it work. Especially, Australia is a great place to raise a family. You think about it, the hardest question Australian parents have to ask is like, well, should we let our kids use iPads? Easy. Think about other parents, other parts of the world have to ask questions like, well, should we let our kids make iPads? <laughs> I've been thinking about sweatshops a lot recently. <laughs> Just for a few investments I'm looking into. And I kind of realised, you remember like the mid-2000s, sweatshops were like a massive deal? They were the number one humanitarian issue. And we all just moved on. I think I know what happened. In 2007, we saw photos of children making sneakers. And we all looked at our wardrobes and we thought, no, this... This is not worth losing our humanity over. And then in 2008, the iPhone came out and we all went, oh, <laughs> worth it, I reckon. And 
everyone's all right with this? Okay, sorry, Kwang Lee. Back to the factory, kiddo. Okay. Oh, hey, buddy, come on, Kwang. Don't cry. Look at this from my perspective, okay? Take a walk in my shoes that you made. I can't go on carrying a phone and an iPod, can I? These jeans only have so many pockets. And do I really have to say whose fault that is? <laughs> Fair play to those kids, they do a phenomenal job. I love my iPhone so much, I'm not just okay with the child making it, I'm beginning to insist on it. Okay? Some people want Apple to move their factories to America. No thanks, okay? I don't need technology made by an American child. Uh, American children need to stick to what they know. Diabetes? <laughs> and school shootings. front row. I uh, would just like to apologise uh, for putting the rest of your lives at risk for that joke. <laughs> I would say it's very easy as an Australian or even as a Brit to make light of that stuff. It feels so distant to us, it's so far away. We couldn't imagine it happening in our country. It'd be easy to think that that's some moral reason that some like we're more ethical over here. But I don't think that's the case. It's a contextual thing, right? But could you imagine growing up in a country where everybody, not just cops, not just the military, everyone, your friends, your family, your neighbours, even your teachers, are American. <laughs> oh, I'd be a little trigger happy myself, I think. I used to be very anti-gun. I spent a weekend in Florida. All of a sudden, I'm in a gun store. Like, what do you mean three-day waiting period? The movies tonight. Right? Uh, guys, I'll leave you with this. Uh, I'm very happy to be in a relationship. You know, like uh, I, I was never good with girls growing up. I didn't lose my virginity until my early twenties, uh, albeit for religious reasons. But I had friends who lost their virginity when they were like thirteen. Also, for religious reasons. But. Uh, <laughs> That's my time, guys. I'm Tom Wickham. Have a great night. See ya.